Hey, it's Mike in New York. We're going to be doing a quick uh, one-on-one interview with the uh, Woodside and Sunnyside and most of District 26's side, uh, uh, Marvin Jeffcoat, and a conversation with him about uh, the recent Supreme Court rulings on uh, carry laws in existence in New York City, the effects of the new rulings, and also on religious liberty. I'm Mike in New York. Here's Marvin Jeffco. Marvin, I know this decision of the Supreme Court is something that has uh, resounded strongly with with gun owners here in New York City. First of all, as as a, a legal gun owner in New York City, what does this mean to you directly? Well, it, it means that there's hope that they're eventually going to honor my rights, and I'll tell you why I put it that way. The uh, Supreme Court, in its, its ruling, they, they use, they applied rational basis instead of strict scrutiny, meaning that the plaintiff, we the people, must prove that the government's requirement for a pistol license has no rational basis related to any legitimate government interest. <clears throat> in, in my opinion, Second Amendment's a fundamental right requiring strict scrutiny be applied, where the government is required to prove a compelling government interest is present and and the requirement that they impose is the least restrictive means of accomplishing it is narrowly tailored to achieve it so it has the least imposition on our rights imagine if you will someone that doesn't make a lot of money and they're in one of these crime plague neighborhoods that we have in our district and uh and they want to protect themselves well you know they have to make a choice between feeding their family and obtaining a pistol so i'm encouraged that they're recognizing our right to uh, to carry, but I'm also discouraged because of the reaction of the politicians. I mean, they said things like, only those who are fully qualified can obtain a, a carry license. People are gonna be empowered to believe they can carry. The high court's decision was not an immediate change in any laws. Now, how tone deaf can these tyrants be? You know, SCOTUS affirmed our right to carry, and New York City's laws are bad laws. So they can drag their feet all they want, but when it goes back to the Brewer, Bruin is going to have to go back to the lower court, all right? And they're going to have to rule consistent with what Justice Thomas said. Justice Thomas said. Um, and they're going to have to throw out the current law. You know, I wish they would put as much effort into securing our schools and keeping criminals off the street, but basically you have elected officials that have doubled down, and they're basically saying we're not going to obey the court, and we're going to do everything we can using the resources of the people of New York State and New York City to uh, to fight the court. We're not going to obey the court. So my question to them is, to the tyrants, the, you know, the, the uh, Mayor Adams and Governor Hochul, if you don't respect the Supreme Court and you don't respect our rights, why should we respect you? Why should we listen to anything that comes out as law? If, if uh, the people that are, and she's not elected, by the way, but the people that are in office, if they don't obey what the Supreme Court says, you know, when the Supreme Court comes up with some wacky stuff like they did many times in the past and they ha- they've had to overturn it, um, liberals are all, that you know, they, they're jumping up and down. So, again, um, I've, it's promising, um, but it's not an end-all because uh, you still have tyrants that are not going to respect our right to carry you know, they, they feel that citizens have no right at all to carry, 
and uh, they they know the reason. See, the average citizen doesn't know why the Second Amendment was written. It wasn't written for hunting and fishing. It was written to give you, the citizen, parity with government. You got a big gun, I got a big gun. So when you knock on my door, you have a warrant, and you say respectfully, Mr. Jeff Coat, may I enter? Um, yes, please, you know, like that. But they don't want that. So that, that's that's my initial take on it. When you uh, when you mentioned that uh, on on your Facebook page, I noticed you you were reacting on your profile to uh, some of the news articles, particularly in this case, one reported by the Associated Press that basically said, uh, "Oh, new provisions or new uh, uh, rights were granted." Uh, you you disagreed with that? Could you explain that? Correct. Correct. Yeah. Well, what they, you know, the, the, the headline of the day was the high court extends gun rights. They didn't extend anything. They affirmed what's already there. We have an innate God-given right to keep and bear arms. And Justice Thomas defined what to to bear is. You know, keep is in your house, bear is on your person. I, I live in a very tough neighborhood. I mean, I, no, I live in a great neighborhood. I apologize. But I work in a very tough neighborhood. So I have to take a 10-minute subway walk to my office, and, you know, I walk between two housing projects that have frequent gun battles. Let's bring in political analyst. Disarmed by my government. So I, I have the right to bear arms in the street to, for my safety to get me to work, but they don't recognize that. So the court didn't extend anything. They clarified what these liberals can't seem to get through their thick skulls, is that every American has a right, until they've done something wrong, they have a right to carry and, and let me tell you something. The court's ruling is not going to imperil any citizen or any police officer because law-abiding citizens, people like myself, that take the time to go through this onerous infringement and get fingerprinted and pay the money so that they know I have a gun. We're not going to be the ones committing the crime, all right? Nobody is going to be hurt by my guns unless they're a threat to me or my family. Now, if you get people trying to J6 me, like knocking on my door at 03 in the morning saying, get out of here. And we're going to handcuff you and take you in in front of your kids like they did this poor guy. Or these two 76-year-old, beautiful, blonde-haired twin sisters, they did nothing wrong, and yet the FBI is harassing them. They, they show up to the house all turtled up in, in, uh, in their um, uh, safety gear and their vests with, with uh, rifles and, and armored personnel carriers, which most civilians would think is a tank. I mean, that's, that's pretty scary. Um, you know, they, they show up and do that. Then, then you have a problem, you know. And, and why did they do that? They did that to these people to chill free speech, to chill anyone challenging and questioning their what they think is their outright authority to rule your life no matter what. I mean, these people, the only crime that I can think of is that they were white, um, they support President Trump, and they were unfortunate enough to have a neighbor or their bank say, yes, that person was in a D.C. area on January 6th. You know, if, if you're going to do stuff like that, then you got a problem with Marvin Jeffco. But you respect me, I respect you. And see, that's the thing. They don't respect us. And they don't think that we're adult enough to behave in a safe manner with a firearm. And we have to retrain our police. You know, police are taught that the only people who should have firearms is us. And we know that's not true because the criminals get them and they're going to get them no matter what we do for law-abiding citizens. So any, any rule or regulation, it only impedes or infringes on the rights of a law-abiding citizen. When, uh, they, they didn't extend. I'm sorry, go ahead. You're, 
No, I was going to say they didn't extend anything. They just affirmed what's already, you know, enumerated in the Constitution. We have the right to bear arms in public. And, and he said, you know, Manhattan is not a gun-free zone. You just can't do that. You can't say every bus, train, subway, or city block is a gun-free zone. You just cannot do that. That's overbroad and should be void for vagueness. You know, um, you have to use common sense, and you have to trust adults to be adults. Mm -hmm. So basically, when you when you uh, you know uh, look back at this case, uh, the 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 primary reason that media is saying was about a Gramercy Park murder suicide uh, shooting that happened in 1911. You know when uh, uh, then uh, state senator Timothy Big Tim Sullivan, you know of Tammany Hall, came out and, and came out with his edict, basically this law. That, uh, that 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 restricted the use of firearms in New York City since 1911, which is primarily the basis for every other restrictive law that was passed uh, in, in, in New York City. Um, is it true that uh, th this was the primary cause of it? We're looking at something that's 111 years old, uh, which, which was the basis for, for this, uh, this whole thing. Uh, when, when, when David Graham Phillips shot and killed uh, someone in, in Gramercy Park, and therefore, you know, everybody has to suffer because one guy with a gun was upset about uh, something else that someone else did, and that, that just led to the Sullivan Act, which is uh, the primary reason for, for everybody uh, not being able to defend themselves in New York City at times. Right, the Sullivan Act, and, and it, it disparages against low-income people. It takes away, because you can't afford armed security. But, you know, there's a theory out there, and it's, it's applicable now today. The theory goes that uh, when the extortionists at Tammany Hall would go out to collect, they would come back to the political bosses and say, hey, boss, I can't collect the money you want me to collect because these people are all armed. you got to do something about that. I mean, my life's in danger. So what do they do? They come out with, the, you know, they use a justification like what happened in Gramercy Park, and they're full of these justifications. You know, they take one dangerous act and they make it seem like it occurs 99% of the time when it's less than 1%. Um, so they use that to justify the evolution into the Sullivan Act. And it's basically to make it one-sided, to protect the organized criminals so that they have access to guns and the average citizen that's being shaken down by an extortionist doesn't. And if you fast forward to today, you look at the people making these stupid laws, gun laws that continue to confiscate our, our firearms, our, our, violate our Second Amendment rights, but also they come up with new, and it, it never put it past a liberal to come up with ingeniously bad ideas. And one of them is cash with bail. So now they're like, well, you know, we still can't operate. you got to keep us on the street. So what do the politicians do? They're not representing you and I. They come up with cashless bail. They represent the criminals, and that's Stuart Cousin in them. And, and you know, I, I, to his credit, Mayor Adams did go up to Albany and say, look, this can't go on because it's having an effect that is deleterious to, to everybody. Innocent people are getting killed because people are getting let back out on the street. So he did try to lobby against that up in Albany, and they told him basically go away, uh, which was wrong. They have blood on their hands, and, and um, you know my theory for years has been that we need to take away um, bureaucratic, executive, and legislative immunity, and hold these people accountable for the horrible laws they create. But yeah, they represent the criminals, so it does go back to Sullivan, 
and there was definitely a motive behind it. You know, it, it's always been for corrupt politicians to, to protect their criminal cronies. And we saw that with uh, the riot that we had in 2020, the Summer of Love. You know, they, I mean, they let all these people out that assaulted cops. And, and I, I believe in some instances cops were killed. Innocent civilians were definitely killed. And these people were let go. They're free on the streets today. Meanwhile, you have some patriotic Americans are being held incommunicado without access to legal counsel, um, critical medications, and family members down in, uh, in the D.C. swamp. You know, the thing that, 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 that puzzles people is, okay, you got guys like Robert De Niro. He's got a fiscal permit. You know, obviously he can afford it. And uh, you, you've got, uh, you know, the, the idea that, that uh, a woman – Let's say uh, any any woman, uh, you know, uh, you, both of us have sons, but if we had daughters, for example, uh, you know, uh, they can't even carry mace to protect themselves legally, or a stun gun, or even a even a you know even a, even a long stick, you know, a cane to defend themselves because they would yeah. be charged with assault, even if the other person had a gun or a knife. Uh, it's it's just the way New York City has designed it in such a way that they just want you to you know bend over and take it from from these uh, from these muggers and, and criminals. Yeah, they they create victims. You know, um, I, I'm fortunate on one side of my family. I got a brother that he lives in Florida, and and you know my niece, beautiful blonde hair girl, she uh, she's trained. She knows how to shoot, and she lives in a free state. So, well, now she's still up in Vermont, but eventually she'll move down to Florida and in Vermont she can carry. But, you know, since she was a little girl, my brother taught her how to shoot. So uh, I'm, I'm fortunate on that end, but I have a large family and I have other nieces that, you know, they live in jurisdictions that are not so free. And, and I worry, you know, because with these gun laws, all they do is create vic victims. And, and, you know, politicians come out and they say things like after the ruling, we're not going to have the Wild Wild West. Well, you know, we already have the Wild Wild West, and I just described that. If you look at Brownsville, East New York, where the um, where I'm forced to work, there was a cop that was recently shot, and that was an ambush. They're not telling you that. But if you look at what they said in the papers, cops sitting in their car, and all of a sudden they hear shots, and I don't know if, if a ricochet torn to his arm or if it was glass. They have the ballistic glass now. He should have been protected. But thankfully it looks like this guy is going to be okay. But, you know, this is a common occurrence in that neighborhood. And I've witnessed it firsthand when I had that, that particular building in the past, uh, gun battles where the police didn't return fire. And it, it, that's the other thing. These kids can't shoot. So they're liable to hit anything. So, it, you know, it, you have the wild, wild west now, and it's a total infringement, and it's made folks less safe. I'm lucky that one niece is in a jurisdiction where she can protect herself, but I have several others, and, and I do worry, because all they do with their, their stupid laws is create more victims. You know, we need a plan, and the plan is not to take guns from law-abiding citizens. Eric Adams uh, yesterday uh, said something that, that I put in, in another episode on this podcast, just to give him, you know, his side of it. He said, uh, you know, we, we, we're not going to go back from the gains we've made. We're not going to, uh, you know, we're, we're not, we're not going to let the city be more unsafe. You know, unsafe for who? What gains? Uh, the gains in, in the in the murder rate and crime rate is is, is through the roof. Uh, it, I, you know, it, it just makes you wonder what what some of these people at City Hall are are you know 
thinking because they can't seem to understand that things are actually much worse off right now with all these gun laws than with people able to defend themselves. Well, I think, uh, I, I think it's very telling what he said. And they know that the average citizen is less safe than they were when, um, you know, you had, like, Commissioner Kelly. You know, Commissioner Kelly, he had a plan. Um, you know, NYPD was allowed to saturate areas where they knew thugs were carrying guns. And until we refund NYPD, gun violence and all crimes are going to escalate. We need to go back to the foresight and the expertise that we had. If we lost valuable intelligence, they're going to have to go back into these areas and gain that intelligence the hard way. So there's going to be violent confrontation among police and bad guys. But hopefully that will protect the innocent. But if you look at his statement, we're not going to give up. Who are they protecting? You know, you have the political elites like Adams, these elected officials, people in the city council. And like you say, Robert De Niro, a guy that can get a gun. Now, if there ever was a guy that exhibited a lack of balance publicly, I would say it's him. I mean, the guy's had public meltdowns, and he gets to carry, and I don't. I mean, I'm trained. I know what I'm shooting at, and I know when not to shoot. I know what to look at. I mean, I'm going to look for someone's hands as a threat, you know. Just, I mean, I'm a former military policeman, 20, 20, 20, two years in the, in the military police, 20 years in the airborne infantry. Um, so, you know, I, I think that I have a right to exercise my skill to protect myself and my family. But you got somebody just because they're a good actor and they're very wealthy, they can acquire a firearm. So I think what the uh, mayor was talking about is that political elite class. And those are the people that he feels will feel less safe because they know that they've done things to the average person and we're fed up. So they, and they look at, they know why the second amendment was written in the constitution and they look at it and they say, well, these people are angry because we're tyrants and justifiably so. So yeah, we want to take away their rights, their ability to defend from us. So I think in my humble opinion, that's who they're talking about. But you know, it's, maybe it's a Freudian slip, call it what you will. But they're very telling. And uh, I, I, I want to say, by the way, I was on with Joe Piscopo, great guy, gets the word out, and very civic-minded and very level-headed. I brought up the same thing about the Wild Wild West and, and, and having a plan to suppress the gun violence from the thugs. And as soon as we got into that part of the conversation, we got shut off. So I, I hope that doesn't happen in your podcast. I don't, I don't want to bring uh, bad luck to you, but... They, you know, the powers that be don't want to hear that, but they feel a need to be protected from the common citizen as opposed to the thug because they have their private security to, or, or their publicly paid security. Now, how about, how about no public official has any taxpayer-funded security, and so we provide armed security for our school children, public and private? How about that? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, before before we uh, drift off to one other decision of the Supreme Court that that uh, made the news, uh, we we want to touch on uh, what Senator Ron Paul was uh, talking about. He's he's, he's spoken a privileged speech yesterday uh, about uh, red flag laws being used, weaponized, and used uh, as as a tool to uh, harass uh, people with different political views or you know uh, ex spouses. Uh, you know, uh, people people just somebody didn't like what they said on Facebook or, or Twitter or something. Uh, could, could you uh, do you agree with that? Is is it also risky with the new red flag laws or the red flag laws we have in New York State? 
where people can just be victimized by people abusing uh, these laws. Absolutely, because they can be used to harass people. With, there's no penalty if you report somebody without any fact or circumstance that will cause a reasonable person to believe that they're a threat. Um, you know, the victim has to pay storage and legal fees during the process. None of that's reimbursed, even if they win. And it's an ex parte proceeding, meaning that the victim in this case, the person who's being alleged to have, uh, you know, a red flag issue, is not present. So you don't get the chance to to confront your accuser. It just smacks of a lack of due process. I mean, it, it's horrendously horrible. And if uh, if a couple of people get together and they don't like you and they say, yeah, this guy's a threat, this guy's a problem, you, you're going before one person, and in New York it's probably going to be a liberal judge, and they're going to have the ability to take away your rights instead of having a fair hearing before your peers where evidence and facts are uh, presented and they have to, the government, you know, before the government takes your rights, restricts your movement, confiscates your pri uh, property, takes your life, they have to prove their case. That's what a defense lawyer is there for. That defense lawyer has to force the government to prove its case. And guess what? If the government can't prove its case, then you walk. But that doesn't happen with red flag laws. You know, people get together and they harass folks. And again, there's no penalty for it. Everything is on the gun owner. This is something the ACLU probably dreamed up and they're in ecstasy over it because when even when there's a, a legitimate shooting, somebody's defending themselves, the ACLU will go out there and persecute that person. They'll prosecute a civil trial against them to bankrupt them and intimidate them out of not having a firearm. And red flag laws just facilitate that. They're horrible and they need to be looked at and, and there needs to be due process. You go before the detached and neutral magistrate, you obtain a warrant, and, and you go through the process of a trial where facts and evidence are presented to a jury, and they and they make a decision as to whether or not it, somebody has committed a crime. And you can't that, – that's the other thing. You know, they, they have this predictive law that they want to impose. You know, you can't impose penalties on people for crimes you think they may commit. It just doesn't work that way. You know, you know the uh, – they, they often talk about the shooter in Buffalo, but, but a lot of people forget that that, uh, that was a case where there are red flag laws that didn't work. The, uh, you know, the, 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 the person admitted and, in fact, posted online how, how to lie to get out of a lead, red flag warning and still be able to do the heinous act that he wanted to do. You know, uh, so, so essentially, I guess the Buffalo shooting, which they often use as, as an excuse to crack down, on uh, on violence uh, actually proves that some red flag laws don't work. Correct. They don't work against the nut jobs. They work against law-abiding citizens who are innocent. And the thing is, you know, this this whole thing about the it's, it's not the criminal's fault. And and whenever you come up with this mental hygiene, they'll use a mental health issue to take away someone's right to possess a firearm. But then they use it as a crutch and excuse. Um, somebody goes out there and commits the murder, and they don't want to lock him up. Like the, the, the uh, subway slasher, the guy had 19 priors. The subway shooter, I believe he had about 19 or more priors. And, and they exhibited red flag issues and mental health issues. Had they followed the basic common law of the land, these people would have been locked up for their assaults, their batteries, and they would have gone before a, 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 a jury 
and they would have been convicted and they would have been kept in prison. But no, you have Alvin Bragg and these other liberal Soros DAs that let these people roam the streets. So, you know, you combine that with the red flag laws and you're only hurting law-abiding citizens. Well, but, Frank you know, James... I, I, I gotta say this. Yeah, I'm sorry, Frank James, the uh, the shooter in the, uh, uh, you know, Brooklyn uh, subway shooting, uh, he was on he was on YouTube. He had 30,000 followers on YouTube and was posting all these videos, talking, you know, hate videos uh, of, of various kinds and talking about how he intended to shoot people uh, at some point, you know, that he was going to go wild and do this thing. And nobody reported it, even with the red flag laws in place. See, now, you know, I'll go back to what Joe Piscopo has been saying on the radio. When he had a problem with his refrigerator, he mentioned it on the radio because he also wanted, um, you know, refrigerated stuff built in America, which we can do right here in Queens. And all of a sudden now he starts getting pop-ups on Google, on um, all the social media and emails for refrigerator advertisement, which indicates that they track what we do and say. So if they can do that for commercial purposes, why can't they do that to track a guy like this that, that boldly – and I, yeah, I've experienced this at work recently, and it scared these liberals. But their response is, what are you going to do to protect us? And I'm sitting there chuckling inside. What are you going to do to protect yourself? Um, but, you know, if the guy goes on social media and he posts death threats or has a manifesto that says he wants to do harm to a certain class of people, I think that causes a reasonable suspicion that should be turned over to law enforcement from that point on. They should do an investigation, obtain a warrant, and go interview this guy and, and rule out the uh, credibility of the threat. Or, if they can't, now you got to take action. you got to drag him before a detached neutral magistrate, and, and you have to give him due process of law and a trial. But it should be done that way. So we already have the mechanisms and the tools in place. We don't need more of these red flag laws that are going to harm innocent people when they ignore obvious evidence of criminal behavior or the intent to commit a crime. And, you know, I said we shouldn't have predictive or prescriptive um, laws that, you know, go after what you might do, but a threat has always been illegal. So if a guy openly makes a threat on social media, I'm going to do such and such, that in and of itself is a crime. That's prosecutable. So that's not what I'm talking about when I say the uh, red flag laws are, are, are trying to be preemptive, if you will. Um, you know, you don't need to preempt people's rights, but when you have somebody that's committed the crime of basically a credible assault because he's telling you he's going to hurt somebody. Then you take action. You know, uh, I, I want to also... Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, please. Yeah, please. No, I, just want to, I, I want to encourage folks to take advantage of this new affirmation of, of our rights, but to exercise caution. You know, um, we need to take a wait-and-see approach as to what the lower court does, and they're going to drag their feet. But always go through the, uh, the process of applying for a legal permit in the jurisdiction, even though it's an infringement of your rights. And anybody that's new to firearms, please go to NRA.org and take a basic pistol or rifle course. Um, if, if you live in this area, I can be found at zip code 11377. But do yourself a favor. If you want to take advantage of your rights, get training and, and know what you're doing. And please always follow the law because... All we need is one law-abiding citizen to uh, make a mistake, and they're going to be all over it. See, see, I told you, I told you, I told you. So mm -hmm. let's not give them that excuse when it comes to firearms. 
So the other Supreme Court ruling I wanted uh, your opinion on, you know, as a community leader here, of course, and, and as a parent and, and as a Catholic, is, uh, you know, the, the Supreme Court ruled in favor of parents' rights for school choice and that schools can, you know, and do have a right if they are religious schools to, to engage in religious activities. Because for a time, if, let's say, uh, a student was put into a religious school because the school was the closest to their residence, and the, and the government paid for it, they actually banned everybody else in the school from engaging in religious activities because of another student who happened to be there. Uh, and, and this happened in many, in many instances, in many cases, and many schools were forced to do this because they were afraid of lawsuits. So what do you think of this ruling on you know, parents' rights and, and schools' rights, basically, to, to engage in you know, uh, sharing the Word of God, for example, or, or having a Bible class, or... or or uh, you know school prayer, and we're talking about we're not talking about a public school now. We're talking about in private schools when someone is sent to a private school. Well, it's an absolute win for um, you know people who choose to practice their faith. I firmly believe in charter schools, vouchers, and homeschooling. It gives the parents a choice. It creates competition, which increases efficiency. You know, teachers are going to be paid for what they're worth. If, if I want to homeschool and I have to pay somebody to help me supplement that, I'm going to pay them what they're worth. So teachers gain there, parents gain there, children children gain there. I don't think it, it doesn't violate the three-part lemon test at all. Um, you know, there's no government-established religion. Um, and But what it does is it prevents them from violating our rights. I mean, we pay, as Catholics, we pay taxes like anyone else. So why should we have to be forced to teach things against canon law in order to qualify for government money? And, and oh, by the way, that would include, if they ever get off their duff and pass decent uh, legislation, that would include funding to protect schools from shooters. So if we have armed police officers or security in our public schools, we could do that in, in parochial schools. They would get the same funding. Now, parents that choose to homeschool, you know, they have the, the, the Second Amendment right. But I, I think it's, it's an absolute win, and we no longer have to have alternative lifestyles shoved down our throats. You know, you pay a lot of money these days for a Catholic education. I'm fortunate enough to be able to send my youngest to Catholic school, and he's benefited tremendously from it. Um, my oldest went through the public school system, and, you know, he, he's a good man. He's doing okay. But it was pure hell because public schools are pure hell. Um, so I think it's a win. I, I think it's totally constitutional what the court did, and I agree with it. And I think it's time for Catholic schools to start standing up and being Catholic schools. We no longer have to teach the indoctrination of CRT and, and the, uh, the drag queen garbage that they're trying to force down our throats in front of our children. We don't have to take that anymore. And it's, it's sad because... We're pretty much the only religion that gets bullied that way. The other ones, you know, our Jewish brothers and sisters, they stand up and they say, no, we're not going to take it. Um, they won't do it to Muslims. And, you know, the other, other folks, they don't, they don't have to suffer that injustice. But they target us and they try to force this down our throats. I, I personally know that in order to qualify for city funding, Catholic schools are forced to do certain things that violate our faith. And that's wrong. Um, so the court got it right again in, in this case. Definitely. Okay, Marvin, do you have anything else you'd like to add as I wrap things up now on uh, Mike of New York? 
No, Mike, once again, you know, thanks for the opportunity to get the word out there to the people. And I'm going to be running again. And uh, they can find me at MarvinJeffCoat.net, MarvinJeffCoat.net. I need donations, and I need people that are going to be able to collect signatures for the uh, 2023 race. Um, everything has gotten worse. People are being assaulted and murdered in our district. The economy's gone to pot. And, you know, education, our kids are being indoctrinated. So even with that new court ruling, we need somebody on the local level to put it all together and, and get the uh, state of government going in the direction of the people. And that's me. Okay, Marvin. Thank you so much.